Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. Now, don't touch that dial, faithful listeners. You may have heard something a little different uh, right as we got started here, but I promise you, this is indeed Arthur-related. Welcome, everybody, to uh, another special edition of Elwood City Limits. We're presenting another special episode for you today. And, uh, well, if, if if you're a 90s kid, or even if you're a little bit older, you may recognize that theme tune. Uh, even if you've never seen an episode, you probably know the name Reading Rainbow, and that's what we're here to talk about today. My name's Will Young, and uh, this is a very special episode that, yes, I promise, is Arthur-related, but I wanted to use it as an opportunity to welcome another guest to the show. You may know her from the Let's Talk Cartoons blog over on Tumblr. Uh, please welcome everybody, Anna Mansager. Hi, Will. How are you? Did I, did I get that right? I know I just wrote it down, but uh, I wanted to make sure I'm very particular about pronunciation with myself. Yep, that's right. Good for you. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Anna, thank you for uh, joining me here on the show. You've uh, you've been supporting uh, the podcast for a little while, and I want to thank you for that. And uh, I did get the chance to read your blog uh, recently. I love your uh, reviews over on Let's Talk Cartoons. Uh, so, tell me, what is your kind of experience uh, with Arthur? Oh my god. Well, you know, I was born in 89, so I'm a born and bred 90s kid. Um, (laughs) And I, you know, I didn't have cables, so it was PBS all the way for me. Um, And Arthur was, like, by far head and shoulders above, like, everything else on that channel. (laughs) Um, I just loved Arthur so much. I watched it all through elementary school and then, like, even into middle school a little bit. Um, Yeah, it was, like, a huge part of my childhood. Awesome. Now, uh, I mean, that's that's interesting. I, I almost would have guessed you were a little bit younger, but you and I were practically the same age. So you probably uh, know all about Reading Rainbow, especially if you were a public television kid growing up. For sure. And I actually, um, it's funny, I haven't revisited Reading Rainbow since I was a kid. And when I started watching the episode, I almost, I almost started crying. Like when I saw the butterfly going and the theme song started, I was like, "Oh my God, Reading Rainbow, yay!" <laughs> there is a very potent nostalgia to the to the Reading Rainbow theme song, and we'll get into it in in just a second here. Um, so, and Anna, I'm guessing that I, I in fact I didn't ask you. Uh, are you, are you from uh, the states? Yes, um, I I've actually lived in a couple of states. I. Uh, was mostly uh, raised in Connecticut and Colorado, and uh, 
couple months ago I moved to California. So, um, but yeah, ah. I'm an American. <laughs> Very good. I'm uh, looking outside right now, and I'm seeing that it is snowing, so I'm not sure if that's a regular occurrence over in California. No, not at all. <laughs> for me, as a Canadian kid, when I say public television, for me, it was uh, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and PBS, too. But, uh, yeah, if you, uh, if you grew up on PBS, I just figured I'd take a stab in the dark there. Well, Anna, I'm going to need your uh, your expertise, and I'll rely on my own as well as we go through this episode of Reading Rainbow that I just I just kind of came upon randomly because oh, there's a, actually an Arthur episode, and this is Reading Rainbow episode from C- from the very first season. It's episode 13, way back in 1983, and it's the episode titled Arthur's Eyes. Uh, so so uh, Anna for. People who don't know what Reading Rainbow is, you know, we have some kids these days who are are growing up without a Reading Rainbow. How would you describe this television show? You know, it's funny you ask that because when I was watching this, I was thinking to myself, like, how did the pitch for this TV show even happen? (laughs) Where it's like, (laughs) um, you know, okay, so we're going to take books and we're going to read to kids on TV and... Basically, that's it. We might have a couple other segments that are a little bit related to each of the books, but it's basically like all about the books. Yeah, it's it's almost a little bit of a uh, a little bit quaint these days because I mean, not to say that reading has necessarily gone out of style. It's a big part of uh, people's lives, especially young kids. But it's I'm sure that the presentation would be way different considering that this is over 30 years old at this point, this episode. It's, it was a, like a blast from the past is kind of selling it short. This is from before even I was born. Uh, so it's very, very vintage. And I imagine it may not uh, feel the same way to kids today as it did to maybe perhaps you and I back then. Reading Rainbow is a bit of an odd duck, but I'm uh, very happy to be talking about it. There's a lot of a lot of love for it on the internet these days, a lot of nostalgia. Uh, as we kind of mentioned there, it all kind of starts with that amazing theme song. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. And ways to grow a reading rainbow. Oh, yes. And I think um, LeVar Burton was my first celebrity crush from that show, too. <laughs> oh, really? That Okay, see, that's a good one because I have several, I have, you know, I wrote down a couple of times like LeVar Burton in this episode. Now, for those of you who don't know, LeVar Burton, actor, uh, you may, you or your parents may know him from Star Trek The Next Generation. He was Jordy LaForge. Uh, that's one of his most popular roles, and he's uh, just uh, kind of a generally good guy, uh, and of course most popular for reading Rainbow too. He was also in a couple of episodes of Community, if you've seen that. But yeah, 1983 Lavar Burton, he's a good-looking dude. That's a that's a good celebrity crush to have. Yeah, he's got that good like mustache, his little like poofy hair that was so popular in the late 80s, early 90s. His little like turtleneck. <laughs> He's got like the Lando Calrissian mustache. It's real cool looking. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly right. I was trying to think who he looked like. You were right. He looks like Lando. And uh, he's and then and then there's a there's a moment here in the episode where he kind of like puts glasses on and he's like, I actually wear glasses, but sometimes I wear contact lenses. I'm like, keep the glasses on, Lavar. You're just like he's a good looking dude. I don't mind telling you. 
I know. Actually, at that part, I was like, you're a dirty liar. Like, you never wear glasses. You <laughs> always have either the contacts or, I guess, when he's Jordy, he has the um, the visor thing. That's right. Maybe that was how he kind of informed that role, uh, having having to wear glasses all his life. Now, of course, glasses big part of this episode. Now, I just want to, um, before we get into the Arthur of it all, I just want to take a, a little time here and talk about this particular episode of uh, Reading Rainbow. You can check this out. I found it on YouTube myself. And I think the big takeaway that I have from it is that uh, it's interesting in almost like a time capsule sense. Like we were talking about, there's no um, analog that we have today that is like the reading rainbow of today. And going back and, you know, explaining, you know, we used to just like read books on the air. You said it, you said it yourself, and it's very, um, it's, it's, un- it's, it's almost hard to describe. It's very much unlike anything that's on TV today. Yeah, it's, I was thinking that too. It's very like slowly paced as well. I don't know if, Anybody would really let that fly today. If you if you wanted to be like, oh, hey, kids, check out this show I used to watch when I was a kid. I feel like some kids might be kind of bored by it. You, like you said, it's very slow moving and kind of works at its own pace. And it even covers some topics that are like heavier than I expected. So uh, throughout the throughout an episode of Reading Rainbow, they cover several books, not just the one in the title. And uh, one of them actually had to do with... Um, with uh, the topic of race, of like skin, of skin color, and I was, I was blown away. I was like, "Wow, we're really going into this." And it's 1983, so you know, we keep thinking sometimes that like introducing this kind of t- uh, subject matter into kids' shows is, you know, something that we've just started doing. No, 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 no. We've been doing this for a long time, and reading Rainbow is proof. Yeah, the tonal shifts in this episode were really strange to me, because um, he, he goes. Um, when he's talking about how he has glasses, he goes, um, I I went to the eye doctor and I had a full eye exam and I was tested for color blindness, which means like maybe you can't see red or green colors. It's not that serious, but there's another kind of color blindness. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm so glad that you got that because there was like this wicked segue of like, it was like, it was the kind of, it was like a stunt driver doing a big 180 and just like, it worked, but whoa, buddy, it was out of control. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, re- but he really uh, uh, got it in there. Uh, sorry, I, I keep distracting myself. We need to talk about that opening theme song. Yes, it's amazing. Um, Although, I I was talking uh, the other day to somebody about how much synth music there was in, like, the early 90s, late 80s kids' shows, and it's just, like, oh, my God. Um, Just the opening sort of, like, keyboard pan flute thing seems to Mm. be everywhere. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's instantly iconic, and, you know, it it took me a long time to actually figure out, like, what instrument that was. And, like, I just figured it was... I don't know. The power of reading itself made manifest. It. I mean, and it's a very, it's a very uplifting uh, theme song. You know, just I can do anything. I can go anywhere. It's. You know, it. We were kind of talking about the ways, and this is a throwback. This is this is back when, of course, um, and I think this is still true that uh, you know, child children's literacy very important, and I hope that it remains important because on. Elwood City Limits, we cover the fact that Arthur many times is an advocate for local libraries and for reading. Uh, this was very much nakedly so uh, 
you know, a show that was all about getting kids to read and trying to make it seem as, um, as accessible as possible and appealing to like the sense of adventure and wonder. And, uh, it was, it was kind of nice to see because I feel like maybe books don't get that treatment anymore. There's a lot less mystery around them. For sure. Yeah. And they even do like the thing at the end there where they, uh, have the kids tell you, you know, what books they liked that might have to do with the segment and that you can find those at the library too. Yes, and uh, now if you've never seen an episode of Reading Rainbow in your life, you may have come across uh, this segment in one way or another. There's a segment at the end of every Reading Rainbow episode, so, you know, they go through several books, and then LeVar Burton hands it off to uh, uh, kids who were probably filmed at a local, you know, PBS affiliate, and uh, they kind of give their reviews of a book that they read recently. Uh, They're on camera, and there's a couple of shots from the book, and so he introduces them uh, by saying but you don't have to take my word for it. And they all have the musical sting that I'll play right here. <laughs> so I feel like that one has made its way around the internet that even if you've never seen Reading Rainbow, you've heard. For some reason, this segment used to really make me angry as a kid. Um, really? I used to get really offended at the fact they were telling me what to do. I'd be like, don't tell me what books to read. I'll, I'll read whatever I want Reading Rainbow. Okay, fair enough. I did. I, I see. I was a very taciturn young child, so I was like, "Okay, I've got to read these books." But I never thought about it the other way. Uh, I don't know why I was like that, but <laughs> for some reason, it made me like irrationally angry. I feel like maybe you weren't the only one. Uh, you know, some some kids really don't like being told what to do. So I, I guess I I understand that, but I can't exactly relate to it myself. Uh, a couple more things that I just want to touch on from reading Rainbow itself before we get into Arthur's eyes. Uh, there were some, intre- I'll say interesting segments that LeVar Burton found himself into. And these these episodes really kind of have a, have a journey. It's like watching a Simpsons episode where it starts with one thing and then goes into another thing. Uh, it goes from talking about race to kids making their own stop motion films. Yeah, it's really like... All, all the segments are kind of connected by perception, I guess, like how you see things, how others see mm-hmm. things, um, how we perceive the world. Um, and the stop motion kids, like I was super jealous of them. They had like these awesome cameras like hooked up to like stands and they were like pulling chains to do the, the you know, the little segments that one at a time. That seemed like an awesome library program. I want to go there. For sure. I, I, I would have loved to try and make stop-motion films. And these are young kids, and they did a pretty decent job of it all. Yeah, I was really impressed by um, the one girl who did the ballerina one. I like that one. Uh, there was also a, a strange segment involving mimes for some reason. Yeah, I had no idea what was going on there. And what's really funny is um, LeVar Burton says... Um, you can see what's going on using your eyes instead of your ears. And then they have mimes doing things. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I can see what's going on, but I still don't know what's going on. Right. I feel like mimes are a little bit maybe on the intimidating side for kids. Uh, I, don't, I don't I don't. think there's a whole lot of, of charm in mimes, especially these days. I feel like a mime's a hard sell in 2017. And then he ends uh, up in a really scary toy store. Yeah. What was that about? <laughs> the music is so scary. Like, it sounds like Lost in Space or something. 
It, it's like, and there's like giant versions of everything. So it's like the again, the perception is is uh, he's really playing with the perception. You're right. He also, I, I wanted to highlight this quote because, of course, this is a it's a very positive show. It's it's aimed at uh, younger kids, obviously. But I appreciate, you know, I always like a show that is uh, at the forefront, not sarcastic but sincere. And at the end, uh, Lavar Burton had a great quote. Uh, he said, the things around you aren't nearly as important as how you see yourself. And it was all about self-perception and understanding the fact that, you know, you're like uh, being OK with yourself is uh, is one of the most powerful things in the world. And that really like spoke to me as an adult. That's something I have trouble remembering myself sometimes. Yeah, I think it's a really good message for pretty much everyone, not just kids, kids and adults. And it definitely like kind of adheres to the same sort of messages that Arthur, you know, tries to get across as well. Anna, was there anything else that you wanted to note from the Reading Rainbow segment before we get into Arthur? Well, before we get into Arthur, I have a quick Reading Rainbow story from my childhood. Sweet. Um, I'd love to hear it. (laughs) um, I always wanted to be a writer as a kid, and now I'm breaking into writing, so there you go. But um, I was a huge Reading Rainbow fan, and when I was about six or seven, I wrote a book, and by book I mean like I folded pieces of paper together, stapled them, and then wrote a story and like drew the pictures. And for some reason, I had in my head that if I sent it to Reading Rainbow, they would read it on the air like they did with Arthur's Eyes and uh, the other books on this segment. Um, so I mailed it to them, and obviously they didn't, but they sent me a certificate back with LeVar Burton's signature and was like, just keep writing. Well, that was a good try. I have to admire uh, your enterprise as a young kid. You At least at least you uh, shot for the heavens and maybe hit a star by getting a reply from Reading Rainbow. Yeah, so. and it really like encouraged me, honestly. Like I kept writing and all through my grade school years, and now here I am in Los Angeles breaking into TV writing, so there you go. Congratulations! That's awesome. Uh, ha- now I, I don't want to don't want to jinx it or anything, but have you uh, written for any uh, TV shows yet? Not yet. No, I'm I'm hoping to get into animation writing. Honestly, um, mm. so you never know. Hey, you might end up in the on the Arthur writing team. Yeah, that would be hilarious. If, oh man, if you, if you do, uh, let me be the first to interview you, please. Okay. Speaking of Arthur, so let's get into it. If you want to get to the Arthur of it all, if you're, you know, watching this reading Rainbow and like, yeah, but when, but when Arthur, uh, Arthur's eyes, the kind of dramatic reading of it starts five minutes in and it goes to about minute 11. Uh, this is kind of presented in almost like a motion comic kind of way. That's, that's kind of what I figure is the closest facsimile we have to this right now is like, it's, it's a motion comic. There's not, uh, it's just kind of going from page to page as the narrator uh, reads it out, but uh, it's with a little bit more uh, attention going from, you know, when you're reading a book, the picture's all there and the words are all there. This time you don't see the words and it kind of goes from picture to picture as it's involved with the story. So it's a nice way to kind of TVify the reading of a book. Yeah, and they add a bit of background noise as well. Uh, okay, so th- this blew me away. Like, I was looking this up of just like, okay, so this episode aired in 1983. When was Arthur's uh, When was Arthur's Eyes published? Turns out, the first Arthur book was published in 1976. I had no idea Arthur was this uh, old of a concept. 
Yeah, it actually said that at the end credits of um, the Reading Rainbow episode as well, and that blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe it's this old. Yeah, so the first Arthur book, which is Arthur's Nose, was in 1976. Arthur's Eyes was published in 1979. So kids, uh, to, to, give you, um, to give you an idea of this, Arthur as an idea, as a character, has existed longer than Star Wars. Oh my god. The first Star Wars was published in 19 uh, was excuse me released in 1977 and Arthur has it beat by 1 year. And uh, technically this book that we're reading is older than The Empire Strikes Back. So hey, <laughs> I guess I, I there must be something to this Arthur thing if it's 40 years later and still going strong. Yeah, there's definitely something that people have definitely latched on to. I wonder if Mark Hamill is a Arthur fan. Oh, well, I would love to know. Speaking of latching on to things, I'll tell you what I personally didn't latch on to, and I think a lot of people didn't, is the original design for Arthur, Arthur himself. So you, you often, uh, I've seen this, you know, kind of comparative, just like how Arthur looks now to how he used to. And he used to look very much like a an actual aardvark. His nose is a lot longer than you might expect. In fact, if you, this one looks like they're, starting to figure it out this is the second arthur book um but in the first one man he looks way different it almost looks like when you go back to the first season of the simpsons and see how rough see how rough everything used to look what did you think of arthur's original look anna yeah he definitely looks a lot more like an actual aardvark um this time um his nose is longer he looks like to me, he looks, like, terrified all the time. <laughs> like, his eyes have these, like, huge circles under them. I don't know what that's about, but he definitely has a much longer nose. And his uh, family, um, you know, it looks a lot more like regular aardvarks as well. So they all have, like, it looks like their faces have been kind of, like, stretched a little bit. Hmm. The uh, the uh, the illustration style is, of course, a lot different than the animation style of the TV show. Um Sorry, I totally sh I should have looked this up. Um, I just want to see. Do you do you happen to remember who illustrated the Arthur books? Was that Mark Brown as well? Yeah, Mark Brown. Okay, so obviously his illustrations look a lot different than the TV show, uh, especially when Arthur doesn't have his glasses on. He's got you know the the circle and then the white eye and the dot instead of just the the black dots on his skin. So that immediately looks a little bit. A little bit odd. He almost looks he almost looks like a horse. It kind of reminds me of the way that Bojack Horseman is drawn. Yeah, he does look very horse-like. Um, yeah, they and they're very like sketchy. Like they're not the lines aren't quite um, clear. They they ha you can kind of see the sketch marks as well, which I think is kind of nice actually. Yeah, it's charming and uh, kind of gives it more of more of like a, a like a homey feel. Arthur's eyes is almost exactly like the uh like the first episode of arthur so if you haven't uh if you haven't watched that go listen to the first episode of elwood city limits we cover it in great detail so there's not really a whole lot of deviation but there is a difference in kind of the character of arthur he's he's picked on way more in the in the children's book yeah by buster <laughs> Yeah, that was w okay. So, uh, book Arthur is kind of kind of a little bit more sad. He's he's a lot more of an outcast. Whereas in the TV show, it was kind of mainly Francine who was antagonizing him, and maybe a couple more people. But you know, Arthur still had friends and was a normal kid. Uh, in this one, Francine is teasing him, and Buster calls him a sissy for wearing glasses. 
I was wondering while I was uh, watching this, which um, you guys might have covered in the first episode, but is that even, like, a thing anymore to make fun of somebody for having glasses? Like, I feel like getting glasses is just something, like, you don't make fun of somebody for going to the dentist, do you? So do people, like, do people actually do this? I feel like it's probably, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily doubt it just because I know that kids who, uh, you know, kids can be cruel sometimes and could pick up on anything. I want to say no. I hope not. Because when I was a kid, I really wanted glasses. Like, I thought people who wore glasses were the coolest. And I was sad that I didn't get to wear them. And now that I'm much older, I'm glad that I don't have to. Because wearing glasses is very expensive, I'm to understand. Yeah, I I do wear glasses. And, uh, yeah, it can, it can go, get quite pricey, which is why Arthur should not be trying to put his glasses into the washing machine, but we'll get there. Ooh. Man, oh man, that's right. That th Okay, so that's a bit different than, you know, Arthur tries to weasel out of uh, wearing his glasses. By the way, it seems that the Reed family has a cat instead of a dog. I saw that, yeah, there's like a cat on the couch behind them at, at one point. So Arthur's uh, ill-realized cat, I guess that didn't make the... Uh, the storyboard meetings of uh, the Arthur TV show, and we get to see just a little bit of DW, but not she doesn't say anything. Yeah, he tries to like hide it in his lunchbox and the laundry. I imagine if you got your glasses in the laundry, that would be uh, big, big trouble. His mom would be so pissed. <laughs> Those yeah. glasses probably cost her a lot of money. That is absolutely true. And that and this is 1978 money, so it may not sound like a lot, but it probably was. Uh, another big uh, difference here is that, so there's a point when Arthur is kind of uh, talking to his teacher. Uh, in, in the original episode, it's, you know, Arthur sees Wilbur Rabbit, who plays Bionic Bunny, who wears glasses. That kind of emboldens him. But it's his teacher who kind of helps turn him around. And his teacher is not Mr. Ratburn, but instead is a moose. So I'm going to uh, take some creative liberties here, and I'm going to say that he is played by this. Uh, his teacher is Mr. Elkin, who is uh, referred to as a substitute teacher in the first season. So I'm going to go ahead and say that this is Mr. Elkin. Okay, yeah, I can go with that. Oh, something I thought was interesting was that in the uh, episode Arthur's Eyes, he's um, emboldened by seeing Bionic Bunny wear glasses and, instead of his teacher, and I was thinking, oh, maybe... Uh, Bionic Bunny doesn't exist in the book yet, but his lunchbox says Bionic Bunny, so he does exist. It's just uh, they went with a different uh, story take, I guess. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it was the kind of thing of like, well, since Arthur is a TV show, then maybe he gets, you know, a little bit of uh, emboldening from TV. But uh, who's to say? Good catch, though. I totally missed that. And, of course, uh, it does end up that Arthur uh, becomes more confident about his glasses and Francine tries to uh, be just like him with her movie star glasses. Although uh, the original episode kind of ends with her bringing in the movie star glasses. This one goes a little further. Like, she brings them everywhere. Yeah, and she, like, interrupts the the school photos so she can go get them. It's like, Francine, get your act together. You should have brought them up with you already. Yeah, she's real. Like she's really trying, and uh, Arthur kind of gets to style on Francine a little bit here. At the end of the book, it's like uh, Arthur is able to read all the questions, but Francine missed two of them, and is just like, "All right," he really uh, ends up getting her back. Yeah, he sort of starts coming for Francine once he feels a bit more confident about <laughs> his glasses. At one point, she asks him to be on her basketball team, and he says, "I'll consider it." 
Yeah, he really, he really big times her. Uh, okay, so I mean, I mean, that's essentially kind of it. it. You know, if you've never read the book or seen the episode, that it kind of ends there of Francine with the movie star glasses. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess it's I kind of come to a a weird uh, end end of the episode here because we've talked about reading Rainbow itself, and we've talked about kind of Arthur's eyes, the book, and how it kind of approached it. Uh, normally. At the end of an episode, we talk about kind of, uh, you know, what we thought of it. Was it good, bad, in the middle? I'm not so sure that uh, that, that kind of serves serves here. Uh, Anna, did you have any lingering thoughts about the Arthur part of this episode before we move on? I will say the whole time I was listening to it being read, I was thinking, this person has a very strangely unique accent, and it sounds so familiar to me, and I don't know why. And then at the end credits, it was revealed to me the book was narrated by Bill Cosby. Yeah, I yeah yeah. I mean, it's it's unavoidable because if you've heard Bill Cosby speak, you know people people of your your age and mine, uh, you know we know what Bill Cosby sounds like. But it's it's just one of those weird things of like ew, Bill Cosby <laughs> ew. Um, okay, so you know we've talked about reading Rainbow as a show. Uh, I want to give you a little bit of a creative challenge here, Anna, and pardon me for putting you on the spot. But so LeVar Burton in the past couple of years has talked about, you know, getting a Kickstarter together to create a new Reading Rainbow. And Reading Rainbow was around for a long time, even into the 2000s. How do you think, how would you uh, create a new Reading Rainbow in 2017? Yeah, that's a really tough one. Um, I would, I, yeah, I know. S- sorry to put it all on your plate. <laughs> I would think that um, it would have to be interactive or more more interactive than it was because we have so much more opportunities for um, like interactive technology now. You know, back in 1983 when this episode was filmed, all you could really do was just watch it on the TV. You couldn't like go hit the screen and expect anything to happen. Um, but these days, you know, kids usually, they don't even watch TV anymore. They watch everything on iPads or phones or whatever. Um, and so I think it would be kind of neat if they had like little segments where, you know, oh, like look, you know, touch the thing and you can look at the pictures or touch the thing, see something about the author or, um, you know, draw your own thing here. Like, uh, at the beginning of, uh, this episode, um, LeVar Burton is talking about how different pictures can look like different things to different people. And, you know, if it was like a 2017 version, you could draw your own. Like, what do you think this should be? Something like that, maybe. So uh, an element of interactivity. Yeah. Okay. I think that 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 is the way to go. Uh, One more question for you. Do you think there should be a reading rainbow in 2017 and beyond? Do you think that's something that we need these days with, you know, all of the educational content that kids have access to and the fact that, uh, uh, you know, now there is a lot of access to literacy. I mean, libraries are still going and whatnot. Anyway, do you think there should be a new reading rainbow in the current year? You know, I'm always going to be for Reading Rainbow, (laughs) Um, and I think, honestly, one of the biggest benefits to Reading Rainbow isn't necessarily... Uh, showing kids books and being like, hey, look, this is a book. You can go to the library and get one. The cool thing about Reading Rainbow is that they would actually read the whole book to you. And, um, you know, 
if if you were a kid say you know like me who only had pbs and maybe you know you happen to come from a family who doesn't read to you much you have this at least you can you know literally have the tv read to you Mm. That's a good way of thinking about it. There's a layer of accessibility for kids who have trouble reading in one way or another. I never thought about it that way, but that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, and I guess all I'll say is, you know, I don't really, I can't say that I have anything terribly profound to say about reading Rainbow. If you watch this episode and you're not particularly inspired, I mean, <laughs> you could try a later episode to be sure. But this one, you know, uh, Arthur is something that you can still enjoy as an adult. Reading Rainbow is really designed for kids. You may get like a nostalgic kick out of it if you grew up with it like Anna and I did. And uh, it's certainly neat to see, uh, you know, this is probably the easiest way that you can see one of Arthur's earliest written adventures. Uh, But other than that, uh, it may not hold a lot of water for you, especially if you're a bit younger. But all the same, it's uh, still fun fun to look back at. And uh, I will say big props to LeVar Burton. I think he's a terrific host. I think he's very engaging and very uh, interesting and dynamic. And uh, I think he was the perfect choice. And it's very obvious why Reading Rainbow almost was on the air for, if if not, then almost 20 years. Absolutely. I would say if you if you just want to see like a little time capsule of what it was like in, in 1983, that's a really good way to see it, um, especially for time capsule for like what it was like to be a kid then watching TV. You got the the really strange like synth transitions. You got the weirdly lit things like you were also getting the same sort of things in Sesame Street at that time I think um the sort of like split screen type deals with the weird synth music in between um so Mm. definitely like if you want to see it as like a time capsule it's worth watching but yeah um if you haven't grown up with it you might find it kind of boring And as always, kids, ask your older siblings or your parents about reading Rainbow. Okay, so Anna, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you very much for uh, helping me take a look at this little bit of uh, Arthur Ephemera. Uh, Now, you have a presence on the web with Let's Talk Cartoons. Uh, Where else can people find you, including the the URL for that site? Uh, So the URL for that site is just um, let's-talk-cartoons.tumblr.com. Um, but if you just go to Tumblr and put in the search bar, let's talk cartoons, you'll find it. Um, it's just basically recaps of different animated cartoon episodes, but I do anything as long as it's animated. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at LionessGoddess, or uh, I also have a website, just www.animansager.wordpress.com. All right, well, uh, great stuff, and definitely ch- and definitely check her uh, reviews out. I've been having a good time reading them myself. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us for this special episode of Elwood City Limits. Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Tumblr, and, uh, yeah, hopefully see you uh, very soon uh, for another new episode of Arthur itself. And, of course, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or in the Google Play Store, uh, please leave us a rating and review. Uh, you can email us, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com, and see the full back catalog, elwoodcitylimits.libsyn, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. Anna, any final thoughts before we say goodbye? Butterfly in the sky, you can go twice as high. Take a look, everybody. It's in a book. Read a book and uh, have some fun uh, reading Rainbow or otherwise. Thanks, Anna, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>